Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Raymond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. What is the first thing you think of when I say the word peace? Do you think that our world is in such a disrupted state that we need world peace? Maybe you think that I need peace in my own life, peace of mind, peace in my heart. The good news is that peace can be found, peace for the world and peace for the individual. Yes, you can find peace. Today, John shares with us how, in the first of a two-part message, The God of Peace. If you'll open your Bibles tonight to the book of Judges, chapter number 6, that's a book in the Old Testament, and then the Gospel of John in chapter number 14, I want us to begin tonight by looking at an Old Testament passage and at a New Testament passage. And while you're finding that, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be somebody else for a day? You ever think like that? Sometimes I wonder, like, what would it be like for 24 hours to be the President of the United States? I mean, that would be something. You walk in a room, everybody stands up, they sing you a song, Hail to the Chief, and that would be an exciting day. Or sometimes I wonder, what would it be like to be a great athlete like LeBron James for a day? To be able to go on a basketball court and do what he can do uh, on the court with a basketball? That would, for me anyway, that would be a very, very fun day. Or sometimes I'll see an entertainer, a celebrity, and I'll think, I wonder what it'd be like to be that person for one day. If I could get in their mind, if I could just become that person for one day. Here are people who seem to be so happy and successful and glamorous. And yet I would imagine that if we could get in some of their minds and in some of their lives, we would be surprised. And we would say, wow, this person's not as happy as I thought they were. Being them for a day wasn't as great as I thought it might be. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be God for a day? To be God. To be seated on that throne in heaven, to look down over everything that you have made, to have all power in your hand. I think if I could be God for a day, one of the things that I would think about would be this. I would think, man, I have all the power in the world. I can cause the wind to blow. I can make the wind stop. I can cause the rain to fall. I can make the rain stop. I can create things. I can do whatever I want to do. I have unlimited power. Another thing I think I would think if I were God for a day, I would think, man, from my perspective up here, I have such a clear perspective on life. I have a clear perspective on what people are going through, why I've allowed them to go through it, what will be the end of it, the outcome of it all. And I think I would think, wow, what a wonderful perspective. And if I could be God for a day, one of the things that I would think, I mean, if I could inhabit God, inhabit His mind, and be God for one day, I would think, wow, I have such peace. I am at perfect peace. I'm totally relaxed. I'm totally calm, I'm totally in control, and I am at a place of utter and complete peace. Now, what I want to say at the beginning of this message today is this. First of all, we can't be God for a day, so we can only play that out. It can't really happen. But even if we could, when that day ended, 
we would lose the power that we had had for that day. No matter how close we try to get to God, we'll never have God's power. God, can, God created the world. God made planets. God made everything. We don't have creative power. We can't raise people from the dead. And so we will never have the fullness of God's power. If we could be God for the day, once that day ended, the perspective that we had on suffering and on circumstances and on situations in life, we would no longer have that perspective anymore because we would be back down here on the earth. And as my dad has said many times in his illustration, life is very much like a parade. God watches it from the 10th floor. We watch it from the curb. From God's perspective, everything is clear. From our perspective, we don't understand what's going on. So even if we could be God for a day, when the day was over with, we would not have all the power that God has. We would not have the clear perspective on things that God has. But I'll tell you what we could have. We could still experience the same peace that God has in His mind and in His heart. When, when, when our day of being God was over with and we came back and we became ourselves again, we wouldn't have that power, we wouldn't have that perspective, but we could still have the same peace that God has. Now, that's kind of the foundational truth that I'm laying out at the beginning of this message tonight. And I, I'm going to show you a verse, but I want you to get this in your mind tonight. God, at this very moment, is at perfect peace. He's at perfect peace with himself, and he's at perfect peace with everything else that's going on in the world. God is not anxious. God is not uptight. God is not troubled. God is not worried. God is not confused. God is not any of those things. Right now, God is at perfect peace. And what I'm saying to you is, and what God's Word is saying to us is, it is possible for us to live our lives with the same peace that God himself has. Now, in John chapter 14, look with me beginning in verse 27. Because Jesus is talking to his disciples about peace. And I want you to notice what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to understand something. I'm getting ready to be crucified. Three days later, I'm coming back to life. And not long after that, I'm going back to heaven to be with my Father. But I want you to understand, I'm going to be leaving you with a gift. And that gift is peace. But it's not just peace. It's my peace. It's the peace that I myself have. Now, put yourself in the shoes of Peter, or Andrew, James, or John, one of those disciples, and they've, they've been with Jesus for three years, and they have seen Jesus at perfect peace in every single situation he's ever been in. When they were out there on that Sea of Galilee and they got in that bad storm, they thought they were drowning. Where was Jesus? He was asleep on the boat at perfect peace. And so when Jesus said to his disciples, fellas, I'm going to give you something that the world can't give you and something that the world can't take away, I'm going to give you my peace. What he was saying was, it's going to be possible for you to experience in your mind and in your heart the exact same peace that I have. It's possible for you to be as peaceful as I am because I'm giving you that. When he contrasted this peace to the world's peace, the world's peace is built upon circumstances, what's going on in our lives. When everything's fine, we're pretty peaceful. When things get turned upside down, many times we lose our peace. Jesus said, my peace is not like that. The peace I'm giving you has nothing to do with circumstance. It is a gift, and you can experience it to the same degree that I do. Now, Having said that, back in Judges chapter 6, 
we read a very interesting story about a man named Gideon. Now, we're in the Old Testament, but peace was something those Old Testament characters wanted too. Everybody wants peace. And in Judges chapter 6, one day, we're going to read this story, how the angel of the Lord came to Gideon at a time in his life when he was afraid, when he was worried, when he was anxious, when he had no peace. He was very fearful. And this story ends with Gideon building an altar to God, and he called this altar Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. So I'm just giving you the overview before we read the verses. At the beginning of this, no peace. God appears to him perfect peace, and he built an altar because of that. Now, beginning in verse 11, this would be a longer reading than I would normally do, but I want us to read through verse number 24. And the angel of the Lord, and by the way, this is a, uh, the pre-incarnate Christ. He is revealing himself uh, in, in this way, and that's why in many of our Bibles, angel is capitalized. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, at this time, he was not a mighty man of valor, but God was calling him not what he was, but what he could become. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? Isn't that what we ask? God, if you're with me, why is this going on in my life? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? In other words, when, when the bottom falls out of life, many times we say the same thing. God, where are you? Why have you allowed this? And where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me in this time? Those were Gideon's questions. But now, he says, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so at this time, the Midianites were oppressing the people of God, the Jewish people. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. In other words, Gideon saying, I need to know this is God speaking to me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And so Gideon was thinking, now I'm going to die. Because my eyes, my sinful eyes have seen holy God and certainly I shall die. Then the Lord said to him, 
peace with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. That's one of the greatest verses in the Old Testament. You ought to underline verse 23. And let me pause to say here, that may be a prophetic word for someone here tonight. I love that verse. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. I can remember years ago, we had a member of our church, and he was going to have major heart surgery, and he sent me a text, and he said, John, I'm having this major surgery. I believe it was the next day, and he said, could you please call me and pray with me before I have the surgery, which gladly I did, but before I called him, God brought this verse to my mind, and when I got him on the phone, I was listening to him describe about the surgery, and I said to him, I called his name, and I said, I want to give you a verse from the Bible that I think God's put on my heart for you, and I wish you would... Write it down, pray it over, and see if indeed this is a word for God from you. And he said, well, what is it? I said, it's Judges 6.23. The Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so tonight, if you've come to this service and you're... You've, you've lost your peace, and you're very fearful, and you're very afraid, and you may even be wondering if you're going to live or die. I'm not necessarily saying this is the Word of God to you. You have to run it past the Holy Spirit who's living in your heart. But if I were you, I would take this Word from at least me tonight, and I would say, God, is that a word for me from your Word tonight? Peace be with you. Do not fear you shall not die. You say, well, that didn't do anything to me. Well, then that word wasn't for you tonight. But if it did something to you, that may have been the word of God for you. And I would claim that verse and I would stand on that verse and I would declare that by the grace of God, I'll live and not die. Now look in verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, in our Hebrew Bibles, it would say Jehovah Shalom, literally, the Lord is peace. And so, at the beginning of this passage, Gideon has no peace. God appears to him and assures him that he's going to be okay. He says, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And his heart is filled with peace. He builds an altar, and he names it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Now, let me just say a couple of things about peace to begin with tonight. You've probably thought about this, but let me just say it anyway. There are two types of peace in the Bible. First of all, there's what is known as peace with God. We read about that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Scripture says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Let's say that together. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's talking about salvation. Now, peace with God means that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the war with heaven is over. It's talking about our status as children of God, that our sins have been forgiven, Christ has come to live in our hearts, our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life, and we have peace with God. It is a status. Now, peace with God is something that we have whether we feel it or not. Sometimes we feel peace with God. I can say it this way. Sometimes we feel saved. Sometimes we might not even feel saved. Sometimes a person says, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, why not? Well, I just don't feel saved. I don't feel God in my life. I don't feel peace in my heart. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not saved. It might mean that, but it might not. And so you talk to that person and you say, let me ask you this. Have you asked Christ to save you? Yes. 
Have you trusted Christ to save you? Yes, I have. Do you trust Christ to save you? Yes, I do. Well, I can say to them on the authority of God's Word, if you're trusting Christ to save you, you have peace with God whether you feel it or not. And so the assurance of our salvation has nothing to do with our feelings. It is an objective peace based on the status that we have through our faith in Jesus. We are at peace with God. It would be like two nations in a war. And out there somewhere, the leaders come together and they sign a peace treaty. And now we say, these two nations are at peace with each other. Well, they may not feel at peace with each other. May not feel any different than they did before they got at peace with each other. But the treaty has been signed and so they're at peace. Well, that's how it is with us. Before we were saved, we were not at peace with God. We were at war with God. We were at enmity with God. Our sins separated us from God. But when Christ died on that cross and rose from that grave and we placed our faith in Him, in that moment, the war with heaven was over and we entered into a relationship with God that is described by Paul as a status, a state, a condition of having Peace with God. It has nothing to do with feelings. It is objective whether we feel it or not. But there's another peace in the Bible. It's not peace with God. It's what is called the peace of God. And we read about it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't turn there tonight, but just think about the Scripture. Those are the two most underlined verses in all the Bible. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding... She'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so the peace of God is different from peace with God. The peace with God is a status. The peace of God is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's something we can feel. It is subjective. It comes and it goes. But the peace of God is something that God gives us in our hearts, and we, it's experiential. And sometimes I have it, and sometimes I don't. And it'd be the same with you. I've written some words down tonight, synonyms for the peace of God. Calmness, serenity, wholeness, happiness. It's all what the Old Testament describes in that word shalom. You go to Israel today, and you bump into a Jewish person on the street, and what that person's going to say to you is shalom. And that means, I wish you happiness, I wish you health, I wish you peace, I wish you joy, I wish you wholeness, I wish you calmness, relaxation, I wish you everything good in your life. And so the peace of God is like that. And it says to me that much of the spiritual battle that we're engaged in in life with the enemy, it's a battle for our peace. Not peace with God, that's a status. Satan can't take that away from you. But the peace of God is something that is constantly under attack because Satan doesn't want God's people to have it. He wants us to live in anxiety, uptightness, restlessness, angst, tension, stress, feeling overwhelmed, all these things that we all experience from time to time. And yet God is in the background and God is saying it's possible. For you to have experientially in your feelings, in your emotions, in your mind, in your heart, in your daily life, it is possible for you to have the same peace in your heart that I have in my heart. It is possible, Jesus says, for you to have the same calmness in your mind that I have in my mind because I have given you my peace. And it is subjective, it is experiential, and it is a feeling. Sometimes we have it, and sometimes we don't. Now, that said, I want to make three statements tonight about experiencing this peace. I'm talking now not about peace with God. I'm talking about the peace of God, this experiential feeling that God wants us to have in our lives. The first thing I would say, and I've already said it, but I'll say it again, this peace comes from Jesus. 
Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It doesn't come from your spouse. It doesn't come from your parents, your children, your job, your health, your doctor, how much money you have, your job, anything like that. This peace comes from Jesus. Now, many people spend an entire lifetime seeking after this peace. Running from relationship, 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 job, 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 everything. They keep thinking, if this thing in my life could just be that. Instead of having this, if I had that, then I would have peace. That's not true. Because the peace I'm describing tonight has nothing to do with those circumstances. It comes from Jesus Christ. Second statement. Not only does this peace come from Jesus, but this peace is found in Jesus. And so when we think about the peace of God, don't just think that Jesus is in heaven dispensing peace like we would give somebody a gift. That may be part of it, but what we need to understand is what he's dispensing to us is, is not a thing. It is himself. Let me give you a scripture verse to back that up. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, he himself is our peace. Say that with me. He himself is our peace. And so in John 14, Jesus said, I'm giving you peace. In Ephesians 2, Paul said, yes, but understand this. It's Christ himself who is our peace. Well, which is it? Is he giving it to us or is it himself? Yes, it's both. What did Jesus give us? What is the greatest gift? He gave us himself. Greater love has no man than this, than one would lay down his life for his friends. And so when Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace, don't think of that peace as being an extension of Jesus or something separate from Jesus. Think of the peace as being Jesus himself. So Jesus was saying, here's, here's, how, here's why you can have this peace. Here's why you can have the same calmness in your mind and in your spirit and, 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 and the same sense of serenity that I have because I'm giving you myself. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am coming to live on the inside of you. And so I think many times in the Christian life we have the idea, well, in order for me to live the Christian life better, what I've got to do is try harder and work harder and pray more and read the Bible more and go to church more and share my faith more and give more and do all these things more. Well, all those things are important and all those things have a place. But friend, the Christian life is not us trying to do more for God. The Christian life is Jesus Christ living his life in us and through us. And so when the scripture says he himself is our peace, it's giving us the secret there to how we can have this peace. We let Christ live his life through us. Our hands are his hands. Our feet are his feet. Our thoughts become his thoughts. And so the peace is found in Jesus. The peace, if you don't get anything else tonight, get this. The peace comes from the person of Jesus Christ. He is our peace. We hope that today's message, the God of peace, has been a blessing to you. You can find this message, along with many others, on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. You know, peace is something everyone wants, but not many people find. But the encouraging words we heard in John's message today is that peace can be found. In the Bible, the word peace is used over 400 times, and it is available to us all. It can be found in the person of Jesus through a relationship with him. The Bible tells us, in fact, that he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus himself tells us in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Are you in need of that kind of peace? If you are, you can pray this simple prayer with me right now. 
Dear Jesus, I want peace in my life, and I know that peace can only be found in you. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for coming out of that grave. I ask you now to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Jesus. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed with me to receive Christ as your Savior, we would love to know and to rejoice with you in your decision. We are so very happy for you. The Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over your decision, and we would love to as well. You can email us at info at peacebybelieving.org or give us a call at 1-800-337-0157. We have a booklet on our website entitled How to Have a Peaceful Heart that I believe will help you in that journey to find the peace that we have been talking about. We also invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. Thank you for spending some time with us today, and we look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.